at the end. Um, okay, so the agenda for tonight's workshop, we're going to be looking at what CPTSD is, what the symptoms of CPTSD are, we're going to be looking at emotional flashbacks, how childhood causes CPTSD, negative self-talk, CPTSD and how it affects relationships, toxic shame and techniques to heal CPTSD. And then we'll talk about uh, what you can do next. I have a four-week inner child program which is starting on Thursday, the 1st of July, and I'll be telling you more about that at the end of this presentation. So what do you want to gain from this workshop? Let me know in the chat box what you want to gain from this workshop while you're here. How to overcome CPTSD, better understanding, how you deal with it, new care for a child, curiosity. your relationship with your parents and depression to become unstuck. Okay, so the symptoms of CPTSD are anxiety, acting in or acting out. So when we act in, we can, um, when we grow up with dysfunction, we can get a sense that we're not okay, that there's something wrong with us. And it's very difficult for us to accept ourselves. And so we look outside ourselves to feel okay. We look outside ourselves to feel acceptance. And we can act out, sorry, act in by taking on addictions, obsessive compulsive behaviors, um, drinking, uh, drug abuse, uh, sexual, sex, sex addiction, looking to other people to make us feel okay. Or we can act out, so we can become narcissistic, we can become abusive, we can put other people down. Um, a constant feeling of unease, codependency, People pleasing, yep, many people use food as a way to try and suppress their emotions. Emotional eating is very common. Um, low self-esteem, confidence issues, uh, constantly putting yourself down, avoiding relationships, projecting past experiences onto future, present and future relationships, difficulty connecting with people, 
emotional flashbacks and dissociation. So complex PTSD is suffered by prisoners of war and children who grow up in dysfunctional families. So for complex PTSD, there needs to be ongoing and repeated trauma from which there is no escape and a reliance on your abuser. It can be caused by neglect, physical, mental, and emotional abuse. Um, it can be caused by, as I say, growing up in dysfunctional families. It can also be caused by, you know, having a narcissistic relationship with someone, by uh, bullying in school. Um, it can be caused by ongoing and repeated trauma. So with standard PTSD, there'll be a one-off event that you know someone with PTSD will flash back to uh, the traumatizing event, and they will develop triggers and things that set off their flashbacks and basically regress them back to that event. With CPTSD, um, because we're young children, can the trauma be subjective? Um, not really, no. You know, if, if a, as children, we need unconditional love. So even if, you know, we don't get unconditional love, that, that can cause trauma. Uh, yes, Peter. Do you want to ask, ask me any questions? Just type your message in the chat box. So with PTSD, there's like a standard, a one-off event that causes the um, trauma. With complex PTSD, there'll be lots of smaller events, maybe smaller events, um, over a repeated time. And this can cause this can cause us to be triggered by all kinds of things. Because a child is, until the age of 21, your neuroplasticity is at its highest. Until the age of seven is known as the imprint period. It's in that time frame that you're learning all the most important and difficult tasks when you're learning to walk, when you're learning to talk. And so your neuroplasticity is at its highest in that time frame. So any kind of abuse or neglect in that time period is going to have a big impact on the rest of your life. So how many symptoms of CPTSD do you have? Let me know in the chat box. Do you suffer with anxiety? Do you act in? Do you fear intimacy? Do you have trouble connecting with people? All of them. <laughs> until the age of five, sorry, until the age of seven is known as the imprint period. Um, 
until the age of 21 is when your neuroplasticity is at its highest. People pleasing. No problem. Mm -hmm. Always putting other people first. Yeah. Codependency. Yeah. Always worry what other people think of you. Okay, so emotional flashback. Now in his book, uh, CPTSD from Surviving to Thriving, Pete Walker says that emotional flashbacks are an amygdala hijacking. So if you grow up with a dysfunction, with a dysfunctional family, with a lot of dysfunction, you uh, we all are born with equal access to the four X. So that is the fight, flight, fawn, or freeze response. And if you grow up with a lot of dysfunction, you're going to overdevelop one of these, one or two of these responses. So if you overdevelop your fight type, you're going to become narcissistic and abusive. If you overdevelop your flight type, you're going to become a workaholic, maybe develop OCD. If you develop the overdevelop the freeze type, you may dissociate. And we all move into the freeze trauma type before we access any other trauma type. It gives us time to weigh up the situation and know how to respond to it. And finally, there's the fawn trauma type. And the fawn trauma type is what causes codependency, what causes people, please. So if we grow up with a lot of dysfunction, we can't fight back because we're too small. We can't run away because we're reliant on our parents and our caregivers. Our primary objects, these are called in psychology. We can't get away from them. So freezing isn't going to do us any good. So we move, we become fawn responders. We overdevelop our fawn response. We learn to put other people's needs before our own and we become codependent. So if you were subject to repeated trauma and you were too young, to remember it, you're going to experience the emotion without remembering the actual event. Another theory, Pete Walker's theory on this has actually been largely discredited by brain scans. They've shown that it's actually the hippocampus that lights up when someone is having a 
uh, emotional flashback. So another theory on this is that they're caused by the inner critic. And emotional flashbacks can often be triggered by intimacy. Um, you know, again, if we grow up with a lot of dysfunction, we, it becomes an unknown known. So we know our parents are abusive, but we don't want to know it consciously. So it becomes, a, it becomes something that we know, but we don't know we know. Um, and so this can be, then cause issues with intimacy in later life. Uh, when we experience intimacy, we can become triggered and experience an emotional flashback. So dealing with emotional flashback. So one very effective way to deal with emotional flashbacks is something called box breathing. So box breathing involves breathing in for the count of five, holding your breath, for the count of five, breathing out for the count of five, and then holding the space between breaths for the count of five. So if you'd all like to try that now, just breathing in for five, holding your breath for five, breathing out for five, and then holding the space between breaths for five. Let me know in the chat box if you tried that and found it to be relaxed. Something else we can do is called 7-Eleven breathing. So by elongating the out-breath, we automatically trigger the relaxation response. You're telling your mind it's safe. Because if you were in a state of danger, you wouldn't be breathing out for longer than you're breathing in. So by uh, breathing in for the count of seven and then breathing out for the count of 11, you can um, trigger that relaxation response and help yourself to relax. So if you'd like to try that, just breathe in for seven and then breathe out for 11. Yeah, box breathing is helpful. You can also increase the size of the box. So, you know, you can see how big you can make the box. You can um, increase it to breathing in for six, holding the breath for six, breathing out for six, holding the space between breaths for six. And you can go up and see how high you can go with them. And then there's EFT, which stands for Emotional Freedom Tech. So EFT works on the basis of Chinese medicine. And um, the theory is that by tapping various meridian points around the body, we can release blocked energy. And it helps us to feel more, feel calmer. So, you can be practice mindfulness, focus on your body, uh, you know, use grounding techniques, become aware of your surroundings. 
regular mindfulness meditation, hypnosis. All these things can help to bring us into the present. Yep, no problem. Yep, you've used EFT before. If you'd like to uh, see a demonstration of EFT, let me know in the chat box. The video will be available. As I said, I'm going to put it in my Facebook group, which I'll send you the link to at the end. Yes, you'd like to see an EFT demonstration. Anyone else? Okay. Okay, so with EFT, what we want to do is first of all, it's called the setup. So you want to go to the point at the side of the hand and tap there, or you can rub that point. And you can say, even though I have this anxiety, I truly, deeply, and completely accept myself. Even though I have this anxiety, I truly, deeply, and completely accept myself. Even though I have this anxiety, I truly, deeply, and completely accept myself. You want to say that about five times. That's called the setup. Before you start this sequence, it's good to take a sub score. SUD stands for subjective unit of distress. So on a scale of one to 10, one being not very anxious, 10 being really, really anxious, you know, how would you feel right now? Um, so then you do the setup and you, then you'd move to the top of the head, right in the center of the head. You tap there and you'd say this anxiety. You do that seven times. The side of the eye between the eyebrow and the bridge of the nose, you tap there, this anxiety. And then, yep, yep. And then the side of the eye, right there, this anxiety. Under the eye, just under the bottom eyelid there. Anxiety. And then between the tip of the nose and the top lip, just in that indentation there, this anxiety. Between the bottom lip and the chin, just there, this anxiety. Tapping each point about seven times. Then you want to move to the collarbone, tapping there, this anxiety. Under the arm, if you're a lady, where the bra strap would be, this anxiety. So you move through that um, until you've got that sub score down to a good level. Yep. Until you've got that sub score down to a manageable level. Then you go back to the chop point on the side of the hand, this anxiety. Now, when you want to close the sequence, 
you run through the hand. So either side of the thumbnail, this anxiety. Either side of the nail on the index finger, this anxiety. Uh, the middle finger, this anxiety. And then the little finger, this anxiety. And once you've gone through all that, there's a point between the little finger and the ring finger in the tendons there. Uh, this is called the gamma point. And so you want to tap in there and tapping, if you know if you've got the right point, because it should feel a little bit sore when you tap it. So you start tapping there and then you look down to the right, look down to the left, roll the eyes around clockwise, roll them around anti-clockwise. Then you can hum a tune such as happy birthday. Count from one to five, one, two, three, four, five. Close the eyes, open the eyes, and then count from five down to one, five, four, three, two, one. And yep, so if you found that useful, let me know in the chat box. Which score anxiety level? It's called uh, a subscore. So on a scale of one to 10, one being, you know, quite nothing bad, 10 being like completely unbearable. So then, yeah, you'd give yourself a score on that. Yep, I also have the... Um, full sequence in my Facebook group. As I said, I'll share the link to that for you at the end. Thank you. So if you're in a place where you don't want people to see you going through, um, going through the whole sequence, you can just rub the side of the hand. And it's, you know, this can help. A lot of people say this is very useful because when they're experiencing an emotional flashback or a panic attack, you know, they, they don't like want to be thinking about their breathing or anything like that. So just rubbing the side of the hand can have a very calming effect. You can also, you know, rub the nine gamut and that can be very calming as well. You can take your thumb and place it in your closed fist, like so. That can be a good, good thing to do, as can taking the index finger, placing it in the closed fist. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Another thing you can do, like your emotions, again, as children, when we grow up with dysfunction, we become shamed out of our emotions. 
and we get taught that emotions are bad. Emotions aren't your enemy. Emotions are trying to give you a signal to tell you that something's wrong. So it helps to be able to reconnect with your emotions and not to resist them. Uh, Carl Jung said, what resists not only persists, but grows stronger. So if you try and resist a feeling, it will just keep growing stronger. So it's also very effective to be able to accept feelings as they come up. Okay, so as I said previously, until the age of seven is known as the imprint period. And it's in this age range that your neuroplasticity is at its highest when you're learning the most complex tasks. Yeah, exercise is good too, absolutely. They say that um, aerobic exercise is better. Um, they say that like weightlifting and stuff like that can actually make anxiety worse. Um, so yeah, in this time we're learning about ourselves, we're looking to our parents to teach us about the world. And if those parents are abusive, if they're putting us down, physically or emotionally abusing us, we internalize that. We think it means there's something wrong with us and we develop a negative inner critic, a negative inner voice uh, that can continue attacking us and putting us down long after our parents are dead. And 90% of the brain is developed before you're five. So, um, Again, they say that as, you know, the brain, uh, an infant is born without uh, the synapses and things in their brain fully developed. These are developed as they're growing. And, and to, by the time they're five, 90% of these things have grown and, you know, developed. And that's what creates our, our reality our perception of who we are. The babies are born with no boundaries. To a baby, there is no I. Everything is a we. And it's not until the age of three that a baby starts to be able to differentiate themselves from their parents, particularly their mother. So until this, uh, age range, they have literally no boundaries. Everything is part of them. And they're looking to the people around them to form their sense of identity. So if these people have unresolved trauma, it's going to affect our beliefs and influence our map of the world. Tapping on the heart. Yeah, I mean, something else you can do is called um, heart coherence. So it involves putting your hand on your heart, feeling your heartbeat and breathing in, breathing all the way down into your stomach. 
And as you're breathing, imagining that air flowing through your heart and down into your stomach. As you're breathing out, imagine it coming back through your stomach, through your heart and out of your mouth. It's um, also very good to breathe all the way down into the belly. It's said that as children, we naturally breathe all the way down into our stomach. But as we age, we stop doing this for some reason. We start breathing into the chest, which is a very shallow breath. Um, and this, again, stop, makes us feel anxious, stop, stops us from relaxing fully. Uh, if you've ever watched someone sleeping, you notice that they naturally breathe all the way down into your stomach, to their stomach. So breathing it all the way down into your belly is very good for triggering the relaxation response. So again, negative self-talk. Who experiences negative self-talk? Let me know in the chat box. Yep, all the time, yep, every human being. Um, not sure that's true. Yep, so when we grow up, yep. Mm -hmm. As I said previously, you don't want to control it. You don't want to try and stop it. Because if you try and stop it, as I said, what resists persists. So trying to control it or stop it is not going to be helpful. What you want to do is notice it and see it as something separate from you. And, you know, realize that you're not your thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Become conscious of it. So a negative self-talk is caused by the inner critic, the hijacked superego. As I said, it's when we internalize our abuser and it can keep us stuck in a negative cycle, um, a negative pattern. It's a negative inner voice that can make you stay in abusive relationships. It can make you think you don't deserve any better, that you deserve to be treated badly. It can tell you that there's something wrong with you. Um, well, people, people, again, people with CTF, PTSD can become critical of other people. Um, again, you know, becoming um, critical of other people, looking to see what's wrong with other people. It can help someone who has 
it, this internalized abuser feel more securing themselves. It can also um, help them avoid intimacy. Is the superego or the id? It's the superego, it's the hijacked superego that comes from Freudian psychology. Freud said we have a superego and an id. So, different kinds of negative self talk. <laughs> um, the video, it won't be available for purchase, but I'll, as I say, if you want to join my group, you can get it for free. Okay, so different kinds of negative self-taught. You can become a perfectionist. Um, again, perfectionism could be a, when we're children, we take on roles as a way to matter within the family unit. And perfectionism could be something that we take on through being pushed by our parents. Um, all or nothing thinking, also known as black or white thinking. So when something goes wrong, you're telling yourself everything always goes wrong. When you fail at something, you're telling yourself I always fail. There is no in between, it's either or. Pessimism, always worrying about the worst case scenario, always looking for things that can go wrong. Name calling, calling yourself names. Uh, it can also involve projecting negativity onto others, gossiping about other people, or projecting past experiences onto others. So if you've had one abusive relationship, you might come to the conclusion that all men or all women are abused. Your mother was violent. You might come to the conclusion that all women are violent. It can make you think that everyone is out to get you or harm you. Um, yeah. Comparing yourself to others. This is very common, you know, in modern society, especially with social media. Uh, people are only, you know, putting the their best pictures and, you know, their successes online. So when we look at that, we can, you know, draw negative conclusions about ourselves. We can think they're doing so much better than me, they've got such a much better job than me, a much better house than me. But we don't know what's going on in their lives. It's just an external thing that we're seeing. Um, so you're not comparing yourself fairly because you know everything that's going on in your life, you're only seeing the best examples of what they've got going on. So does any of this sound familiar? Let me know in the chat box.
Yeah. Yeah, body dysmorphia, social media. Yeah, social media is a real issue. And they say it's designed to, you know, give us dopamine hits, so we keep going back. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, yeah, feeling we're not enough, calling ourselves names, yeah. Yeah, it's common, you know, it's common for people with CPTSD to, uh, as I said, expect the worst. Um, you know, they can tell themselves that they're going to be homeless, that they're um, gay, not that there's anything wrong with being gay, but, you know, we can internalise this voice, particularly if we've got parents who tell us we should have been the opposite sex or, you know, things like that. So your inner child needs to feel love and acceptance. You want to reintegrate your inner child. You need to make them feel safe and secure. Yeah. So some exercises that you can do to reintegrate your inner child, to make them feel loved and accepted. You can write them a letter and you can tell them that you love them and accept them. You can write your parents a letter and you can tell them everything you feel you missed out on as a child. Not to give to them. The letter's just for your benefit. You can burn it or shred it. Um, see if you can get hold of a picture of yourself before you were seven and put it somewhere where you'll see it regularly. So these are all things that you can do to reconnect with your inner child. You can also write letters from your inner child to your adult self. And write the letters without thinking. Don't try and think what you're writing. Just write it and let it flow. So the inner child can affect relationships. Tomorrow night I'm giving a full workshop on how inner child healing can improve relationships. But um, the inner child can affect our relationships. We're going to be most attracted to the people that will traumatize us. These are known as attractions of deprivation. And they're caused by traumatic experiences in childhood. We all have some kind of traumatic experience. We feel most drawn to the people that embody the worst emotional characteristics of our primary caregivers. So even though we may be adults, we often have unresolved trauma and hurt due to betrayal, manipulation, abuse, 
and neglect from our caregivers. This is why people find themselves repeatedly in abusive relationships, um, because they're constantly at an unconscious level trying to recreate these things so that they can heal them. Unconsciously, we seek the healing of these wounds in our intimate relationships, and we seek out people that will irritate these wounds so we can heal them. So do you suffer with relationships? Let me know in the chat box. All abuse, yep, yep, mm -hmm. so excellent. Yeah, always giving more. So everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. All abuse is the transfer of shame. What we don't heal, we'll either repeat or find other people to reenact on us. And John Bradshaw said, Yeah, John Bradshaw said, shame as a human, healthy human emotion can become transformed into a state of being. And shame can take over your whole identity. So as children, we have no boundaries. We think everything about is about us. So if we grow up in a dysfunctional environment, if we're constantly being criticized, we're going to internalize this abuse. We're going to think it means there's something wrong with us. And so this is going to lead to all kinds of issues. <coughs> As I said previously, it can lead to acting in through addiction, anxiety, attachment issues, relationship problems, um, emotional eating, can cause us to become narcissistic, And the narcissist is the ultimate codependent. The narcissist has taken on so much toxic shame that they've had to create a false self, a mask. And they maintain this mask by putting other people down, by abusing other people, by having a grandiose sense of self, by you know, being able to do things without any regret. So we don't need to have suffered like severe physical abuse. We don't need to have grown up in, a, in an environment where we were having fags stumped out on our head. Just growing up in an environment where there's a lot of arguing can cause us to feel pushed out and unwanted.
Yeah, not all codependents are narcissists. I know that. Can a narcissist recognize that he or she is a narcissist? Um, <clears throat> if you, I used to be quite narcissistic. I grew up in an environment where narcissism was quite normal, where it was the way to behave. Um, so I took on that behavior. And it was just like a normal way to behave for me. Now, I wouldn't say I was a narcissist, but I was certainly very narcissistic. So a narcissist can recognize that their behavior is abusive, but, you know, they'll certainly never admit that they've got an issue. They'll see it as though everyone else has got an issue. Again, a narcissist is going to have an external locus of control. So they're not going to take responsibility for anything. Everyone else is going to be to blame for their problems. And this is, again, developed through learned helplessness. So if you grow up in an environment where there's a lot of dysfunction, you're going to develop um, the idea that you're not in control, that nothing you do is going to have any kind of positive impact. So you develop learned helplessness. And, you know, you take that into adulthood. As I said, you have an external locus of control and you can see everything as, you know, someone else's problem, someone else's fault. Yeah. Absolutely. When we grow up with it, we can certainly become narcissistic. You know, if we if we're around a narcissistic person, we will pick it up even as an adult. You know, these are called narcissistic pleads. Um, a covert narcissist is going to be playing the victim even more. So they're always going to be looking to. <coughs> to create a, an environment where other people are reliant on them, where other people are, you know, where they're, they're always like there for other people. Um, and yeah, they're always gonna be, again, they're always gonna be the victim. They're gonna have an external locus of control. Whereas a full-blown narcissist is going to be um grandiose they're going to be more take 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 and a, a covert narcissist is going to do more kind of gaslighting more kind of covert emotional abuse and emotional blackmail whereas a narcissist is just going to be outwardly abusive yep Absolutely, yeah. When we grow up in that kind of environment, it can make us, it can make us have very low self confidence, low self esteem. Yeah. Okay. So, question: Do you feel forgiveness is important? Let me know your answers in the chat. So learned helplessness, if we 
Let me see your question. Uh, in a child healing, in a child work, I'm going to tell you about my child program in a moment. Um, on that, we're going to be covering some very effective ways to overcome these things. Yep. Okay. So when I talk about forgiveness, I'm not talking about, you know, letting the person back in our lives or kissing and making up or you know accepting or what they've done as our fault or something that we caused when i talk about forgiveness i'm talking about releasing the resentment so if we hold on to resentment and the anger about things that have happened to us it's gonna keep affecting us it's not going to affect the abuser it's going to you know affect us the only person that we're hurting by not letting go of that is ourselves yeah well there's a difference between a narcissist and narcissistic you know, to be like diagnosed as narcissistic, um, you'd need a psychiatrist to actually diagnose her with. Um, but yeah, narcissistic is, it's a complex PTSD response. As I said, it's caused by trauma. Absolutely, forgive yourself, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, what happened in your childhood is not your fault. You know, what happens to you is not your fault, but healing from it is your responsibility. So healing techniques, again, the box breathing, 7-11 breathing, EFT, mindfulness, meditation, hypnosis, write a letter to your inner child, write a letter to your parents, see if you can get hold of a picture of yourself. Yep, absolutely, yeah, you don't have to ever speak to them again to forgive them. Okay, so my new program. So. Starting on Thursday, I have a group program. It's going to consist of four group coaching sessions. Yep, when, again, when we grow up with abuse, we develop, um, you know, we develop arrested development. So it can make us very childish. And when we are in an emotional flashback, we can regress back to, you know, that childish, those childhood times and start acting very childishly. 
Mm -hmm. So the group program is going to consist of four group coaching sessions. All the sessions are going to be recorded. So if you want to watch them back or you miss a session, you can do so. Uh, I offer everyone that does my programs discounted hypnotherapy sessions. I have a Facebook group, which is exclusively for <coughs> clients and people that do my programs. Every week we'll be doing exercises and a workbook. So we're going to be looking to integrate all ages of the inner child from infant, infant to adolescent. And doing this work can reduce anxiety, can increase self-esteem, confidence, self-acceptance. It can help us to control our impulses and reconnect with our emotions. So the cost of this program, the usual price is going to be 199 Because you're on this call today, you can have it for £59. And I will be sharing a link with you so you can book that. If you want to book a call, um, I'll be sharing a link with you to do. The previous people that done the program, these people actually did the eight-week program. Yep, four weeks, eight sessions. Sorry, four weeks, four sessions, yes. Uh, these people have done the eight-week program. This was their feedback after that. No problem, I haven't finished yet. Um, if you want to book a call with me, you can go to my website, anxietyhypnotherapist.org slash free hyphen session. So who wants to try some hypnosis? Let me know in the chat box. You want to try some hypnosis? You will try. <laughs> Have you ever tried hypnosis before? Let me know in the chat box if you've ever tried hypnosis. As I said, if you want to book a free session with me, you can do so via that link. You can find out more about the Inner Child Programme. You tried it once. Anyone else tried hypnosis before? Let me know in the chat box. Has anyone been to one of my workshops before? Paul McKenna. This recording will be posted in my Facebook group. That's the link to it there. Excellent. Okay, so hypnosis isn't something that's done to you. It's something for smoking and overeating. Yep. Hypnosis isn't something that's done to you, it's something that's done with you, it's something that's done with your cooperation. You've ever driven somewhere, gotten to your destination, not remembered the journey, that would be a state of hypnosis. You've ever been watching TV, zoned out, lost track of time, that would be a state of hypnosis. 
So hypnosis is a focused state of intent. And but as long as you listen to the sound of my voice, go along with my words, you'll have no problem going into hypnosis. So what I'd like to do, first of all, is some exercises to show you the power of your mind. So to start off with, I'd like you to put your hands out in front of you like so, and turn your left hand so your palm is facing upwards. Take a deep breath in. And as you breathe out, just allow your eyes to close. And with your eyes closed, like to imagine that in your left hand, we've placed some heavy books. To your right wrist, we've tied some helium. And those heavy books are gonna be weighing down on your left hand as your right hand rises up. Just imagine that happening. Your left hand's lowering down, your right hand is rising up. Imagine that happening. Your left hand lowering down with the weight of those books and your right hand's rising up, being pulled up by those helium. And then leaving your hands where they are, just open your eyes and just notice if there's any difference between those hands. If there's any difference between those hands, let me know in the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yep, your left hand's lower and your right hand's higher. Fabulous. And now take your right hand, point it out in front. And don't try this if you've got a bad back, but if you haven't got a bad back, just turning at the waist without moving your lower body. Just turn around and see how far around you can go. Notice the point where you get to. Come back to the middle. Take a deep breath in. Close your eyes. Just imagine going around further. You can imagine yourself going all the way around if you want, doing a complete. 360, it's only in your mind. Then open your eyes. Once again, putting that hand out in front of you. And this time twisting around again. Just notice how much further around you can go this time. And let me know in the chat box if you got much further. Yep, yep. About the same.
<laughs> Excellent. Okay, so just sitting comfortably. And just take a deep breath in. As you breathe out, allow your eyes to close. And with your eyes closed, just focus on your breathing. All the time, breathing all the way down into your stomach. Noticing your stomach rising, falling. If you can notice any difference between those, maybe the in breath seems slightly cooler than out breath. See if you can notice yourself relaxing more as you're breathing in, breathing out. Maybe you can imagine yourself breathing in relaxation, breathing out any stresses or strain. Any thoughts should come into mind, just notice. Allow your attention to drift back to your breath. All the time, breathing all the way down into your stomach. Notice your stomach rising as you're breathing in. Falling as you're breathing. Maybe you can get a sense. All those tiny muscles in your face relax. Notice your forehead flattening out, release. That relaxation flows down your body, flows down your arm, into your hand, down your leg, into your feet, like a wave, relax. As you start to enter a state of trance, you can become aware of it. You can become aware of tiny muscles, arms and legs. They, they start to twitch a little bit. More and more relaxation, flow. You can become aware of your eyes moving about beneath eyelids, become aware of your pulse, maybe your pulse is slowing down as you become more and more relaxed, more and more comfortable, more and more at ease, relaxing, Letting. Uh, in a moment, I'd like you to 
imagine yourself you know elevate in this elevator there's three buttons when you press the first button you're gonna double that relaxation and even more relaxed even more at ease even more comfortable the second button double that relaxation third button is going to take you all the way down to the very basement relaxation come just pressing that first button relaxing let the second button it could be almost as though there's a tiny voice back of your head telling you to just relax, relax, relax. Maybe scanning around your body. Notice where you feel the most relaxed. Maybe you can imagine that relaxation spreading as you let go more and more. And the third button all the way down, all the way down into the very basement of relax. I wonder if you can remember the most relaxed you've ever been. Stepping out of that elevator, stepping out into a special place where you can be totally relaxed, totally at There's no one else around. It could be a beach, moonlit meadow. Just take a moment, explore that. I wonder if you can imagine Float safely, securely supported in a warm, fleecy cloud, drifting high above. And your unconscious mind take more control. Your conscious mind just drifts and dreams. With your unconscious mind, you can allow yourself to really let. And the unconscious knows just how much hold on, how much let go. As a child, you learn to crawl, push yourself out from furniture let go when you're ready to take those first steps. So your unconscious knows just how much to hold on. Just the right time to let go. 
just allowing that to happen, floating in that warm and fleecy cloud, drifting back across your time. Wonder if you can remember the house where you grew up. Maybe it was a flat apartment. Wonder if you can remember the colour of doors and windows. Get a sense of yourself on that old street. Feeling safe and secure. Approaching that old house. And in the garden, there's a small child playing, maybe playing with favourite toy, favourite pet. Just approach that child, tell them you're from their future, tell them you're the only person they'll never lose. Maybe you can imagine yourself kneeling down, giving them a hug. Tell them that you love them unconditionally, no matter what. Maybe you'd like to take them with you. Just take them by the hand, begin walking away, walking back down that street, turning back, looking at that hand. Maybe you can see your parents standing in the doorway. Maybe you'd like to wave at Just continue walking away. Walking back up memory lane. Maybe remembering favourite friends from childhood. And then spending down telling your inner child that you're going to leave them in this place, this place where they're safe and secure. You'll come back and visit them regularly. I wonder if you can imagine them shrinking down, becoming smaller and smaller. Being able to pick them up, place them in your heart. Feel yourself connected to that younger version. Once again, floating in that cloud, drifting back across your timeline. Drifting back, remembering positive memories, 
happy time, maybe happy memories from a year ago, reconnecting once again to that version of you that's supported them, becoming aware of your body once in a moment, I'm going to count from one to five. When I reach the number five, you can open your eyes, coming back to the present, noticing how good you feel. And begin counting now. One, allowing the feeling to return to your feet. Maybe you'd like to wiggle those toes. Two, as that energy flows up your legs. Three, down your arms, into your hands. Four, and over the coming days and weeks, you can become aware of things. Things can let you know that things have begun to change, that you have begun to change. Five eyes open, wide awake. If you enjoyed that, let me know in the chat. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Excellent. So as I said, if you'd like to know more about the Inner Child Programme, you can book a call with me there. Um, if you'd like to watch the video of this uh, recording, you can join my Facebook group, which is called Inner Child Healing, Break Free from CPTSD. The link to that is there. In that, you can find uh, lots of my other workshops as well, um, and lots of other information, so you can join that there. Tomorrow night, as I said, there's another Inner Child Workshop, Inner Child Healing, to improve relationships. So I hope to see you there. Um, does anyone have any questions? Anything you'd like to ask me? Anything you'd like to know? You'd like to ask me any questions? You can do so. You'd like to unmute yourself? You can also do that now. Yeah, yeah, that really, yeah, it would be good to be able to move away, to move away from there, Peter. <laughs> Any other questions? Anything else? Thank you, Heather. 
anyone has any other questions? Yep, emotions aren't your enemy. So emotions serve a purpose. Emotions are there to alert us to when something isn't right, to when we're in danger, or to give us the energy to get away from a dangerous situation. So they serve a purpose. So if you try and fight them, you're not, uh, what as I said before, what resists persists. So you don't want to fight them, you want to accept them, you want to, you know, understand them, understand what they're trying to tell you and reconnect with them. Don't be afraid to feel your emotions. Any other questions, let me know. No? I just want to say I feel very blessed to be here, to be honest, or very happy. Thank you, Raymond. Very lucky. Thank you. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. Excellent. Um, anyone else have anything to ask? Danielle, you raised your hand. Would you like to ask anything? Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so if no one has anything else they'd like to ask me, um, I shall say thank you all for coming. As I said, tomorrow night is another workshop, so I hope to see you there. Um, And thank you all, and uh, good night. Thank Thank you very much, Mark. It's, uh, yeah, I agree with...